Welcome to The Refresh from Insider, presented by WebEx by Cisco. I'm Dave Smith. And I'm Rebecca Ibarra. It's Friday, April 1st, and we're bringing you real-time news, fresh like live radio, but on demand like podcasts. Here's the latest. President Biden on Thursday ordered the release of up to 1 million barrels of oil per day from the U.S. Reserve. With so many countries cutting off imports of Russian oil and gas, the release of the stockpile is aimed at relieving soaring gas prices in the U.S. He also called on U.S. oil producers to increase production. Talks between Ukraine and Russia will resume online today, according to Ukrainian officials. Since talks earlier this week in Istanbul, Russia has appeared to be moving some units away from Kyiv, but Western observers remain skeptical. Today was supposed to bring a little bit of relief to the traumatized citizens of Mariupol in southern Ukraine, but it may not be happening. Dozens of buses traveled from Kyiv yesterday to ferry in desperately needed supplies and ferry out some of the estimated 170,000 residents remaining in the destroyed city. Russia had also promised a limited ceasefire to allow safe passage. However, an aide to the mayor of Mariupol says the city remains closed to anyone trying to enter and very dangerous for anyone trying to leave. There are reports of buses and individuals facing artillery fire. An independent Russian opinion poll shows support for Vladimir Putin has surged since the invasion of Ukraine. 83% of Russians say they approve of Putin's recent performance, compared to 69% in January. A caveat, poll respondents in Russia are widely believed to give what they think are socially acceptable answers. Still, the jump in support is notable. Remember a month ago when Russian forces took over the radioactive ruins of the Chernobyl nuclear power plant? Well, now they've handed control of the plant back to Ukraine. That's according to Ukrainian officials, who also say some Russian soldiers received significant doses of radiation while digging trenches near the plant. That part of the story hasn't been independently confirmed. We're updating those headlines as news happens until 1 p.m. Eastern, so keep checking in. Also coming up, a Black woman's guide to raising venture capital. WebEx is driving hybrid work by ensuring almost anyone, almost anywhere, can be seen, heard, and have the ability to contribute equally. Learn more at webex.com slash hybrid work. Washington Governor Jay Inslee has signed a bill guaranteeing minimum pay and other benefits for Uber and Lyft drivers. They will also have access to paid sick time, family medical leave, and compensation if they're injured on the job. Uber and Lyft support the measure, as do some local labor groups. This is the first statewide law of its kind. Well, this is awkward. The Razzies, that's the award show that celebrates the worst of in Hollywood and is somehow still a thing after 40 years, have rescinded their award to Bruce Willis. The Razzies had given the actor his own special category called Worst Performance by Bruce Willis in a 2021 movie. But days later, his family announced he was leaving acting because he has aphasia, a disorder that affects speech and language comprehension. Razzie organizers say the award now seems inappropriate. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis says he is considering repealing a 1967 act that allows Walt Disney World to govern itself in Florida. He insists it's not retaliation for Disney being so public in its opposition to the so-called Don't Say Gay bill he recently signed into law. 
But at a press conference Thursday, DeSantis said Disney, quote, got so far over their skis on this parental rights stuff because I think they're used to having their way. Now he wants what he calls Disney's special privileges gone. The House is expected to pass legislation to legalize marijuana nationwide today. The MORE Act, which stands for Marijuana Opportunity Reinvestment and Expungement, would do away with criminal penalties and create a process to expunge convictions from people's records. It would also put a federal tax on weed sales to fund programs designed to help communities. Still, it's unclear if this will make it through the Senate, where similar bills have previously failed. Canada takes its maple syrup very seriously. Five years ago, Richard Vallier was found guilty of stealing $18 million worth of the liquid gold. It was all done in a heist where he and 15 others, including his father, broke into a warehouse in Quebec, drained 2,700 tons of maple syrup from its barrels, and replaced them with water. Vallier, the mastermind, was sentenced to eight years in prison and fined more than $9 million. Vallier appealed, but the Supreme Court of Canada upheld the fine Thursday, saying he must pay or serve another six years in prison. Starting a business, of course, requires capital. And for black women pitching their business plans to VCs, there are a lot of barriers. Black women get less than 1% of VC funding each year. Insider's Dominic Midori Davis spoke to more than 40 black women who have each raised more than a million dollars in venture capital. She compiled their advice to help other black women make their case. So, Dom, what is the landscape like for black women trying to get VC funding? Uh, Well, I would say the landscape is pretty daunting, dire, fraught. Like um, a July report from Crunchbase last year saw that U.S. startups received a record $137 billion in venture funds the first half of 2021. Um, But within this, Black entrepreneurs still just received $1.6 billion, which is, I mean, the number sounds big, but it is actually just 1.2% of all the money that was given out first half of last year. You talked to dozens of Black entrepreneurs. Can you talk to us a little bit about what they said they were experiencing? Yeah, well, um, when I initially started doing this, I saw that only before 2021, only 93 Black women had raised a million. And so I wanted to keep track of if that number was going to move last year, especially with what happened with George Floyd and the Black Lives Matter protests. I wanted to see, like, is change happening? And so initially when I spoke to all of them, they were all saying kind of, the same things in terms of, you know, investors would ask them to prove themselves a lot more or they would want more data in their pitch decks. A lot of women told me that for like seed round decks, they had to have series A numbers and the conversations that they were having with investors there were a lot of microaggressions and there's the data that supports like obviously they're not getting the money, but then there's also the feelings that these black women have that you can't really put a number to it. You can only just talk to a lot of them and get a pattern of emotionally how stressful this is for a lot of them. Stress is one part of it. What other sorts of things are they feeling during this process? I mean, loneliness is a feeling, uh, especially because like you were saying, you need capital to start a business. Where do you get the capital from? You know, a lot of people don't know where to start. They don't know what to Google. And so they don't know that they can reach out to people. Um, And they don't know who to reach out to. Let's talk about the women who are actually successful 
in pitching to investors? What are the sorts of common elements that they're doing? What are they doing right? Uh, Well, one of my favorite things that I believe two Black women told me is that they're very picky on who they pitch to. Uh, So rather than just taking any meeting or meeting with any type of investor, they really look towards those that focus on minorities. And so being really specific with who you talk to is really important. And then also knowing that you are going to have to do more in terms of just everything in order to connect with investors. And so keeping energy up is another thing. Mental health, taking care of yourself is really, really big. And how can VCs do better, which is obviously a huge part of the equation? Oh, gosh, where do I begin? Um, well, first, I, I think the first thing that they should do is really take a look at their portfolios and really look at the criteria that they're using to judge these businesses and see if they're really being fair and equal in terms of how they judge every type of founder that walks into their room and what they're asking for. And if that ask is equal across all lines. Is there anything else that you think is important to talk about here? I mean, I would say that the problem that Black women are facing in the venture capital landscape is it speaks to the larger issue of how Black women and how Black people in general are treated, not only in the United States, but also in the Western world. I mean, we saw these patterns in the United Kingdom, too. I mean, those numbers are even worse. And I think that in the coming years, with with all the racial reckonings happening, I feel like, you know, the change that needs to happen in the VC landscape is just one of many changes. Thanks for joining us, Dom. Thank you. Dominic Midori Davis covers young entrepreneurs for Insider. That's it for now. Check back for the latest headlines anytime through 1 p.m. Eastern. The Refresh from Insider is produced by Frank Alito, Grace Eliza Goodwin, and us, Rebecca Ibarra. And Dave Smith. Carrie Donahue is our executive producer. Andy Bowers is head of audio at Insider. Thanks for listening. Have a wonderful weekend. 